ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode eight. Yes, episode eight of the Seize Us show. To the people who have been following me, welcome back for another exciting episode. You guys are going to enjoy this one. I would just like to give thanks and ask you guys to continue to listen and get the word about the Seize Us show out. And to the new listeners, welcome. You will not be disappointed. I can assure you that. You know, just to recap you guys on episode 7, which was last week's episode, I addressed Devin Booker's historic 70-point performance, the calf struggles of March, Katie's projected return for the last three regular season games, and my take on Russ versus Harden. With that being said, let's get straight to it. Ladies and gentlemen, there has been very, very, very sad news in the league. Now, what exactly am I saying and who exactly am I talking about? Well, my friends, that person I'm talking about is Chicago's native, Derek Rose. I think you can tell by the tone of my voice what's this in regards to. Well, ladies and gentlemen, last week, Derek Rose suffered a torn meniscus tear in his left knee. The 28-year-old point guard just played in 64 of 76 games this season. That's an 84% of games being played this season. (sighs) This hurt me, man. Like so, so much. I just remember I was playing 2K and the ESPN app notification sign went off. And once I paused the game to check my phone, I saw it was in regards to Derrick Rose and my heart just sank instantly. I was just so, 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 so devastated. This man has been through so much, and I can only imagine where he is mentally yet physically. The three-time All-Star and former MVP in the past tore his ACL in his left knee during the 2012 playoffs and missed the entire following season. He then went on to tear his meniscus in his right knee in his first season back from surgery, causing him his final 72 games. Now, Rose has missed two games with what the team described as soreness and swelling, and he said that last Wednesday... He initially felt slight discomfort in his knee before the Knicks went went to win, you know, against the Pistons on Monday, in which he played 33 minutes and scored 27 points. Rose said at the time he didn't believe the injury was anything serious or would yet alone, you know, need any surgery surgery for it to be repaired. You know, he had been expected to return to the court shortly, but that wasn't the case. He did end up having surgery this past Wednesday on April 5th, which was very successful, thank God, and will be sidelined three to six weeks, which is good news for fans all around the world. Now, Rose and his agent, BJ Armstrong, have both said publicly that Rose, who becomes a free agent this upcoming season, would like to return to the Knicks. Is it quite coherent that Rose is injury prone, or does he just happen to have bad luck? Could these many obstacles have meaning behind it? These are things I think not only I, but everyone else seems to wonder. What did this man do to deserve this? From the outside looking in, he seems like a great person, a great man who lives and dies basketball. A man who is the ultimate family guy, a great father, a man who always gives back to where he came from. So my question is, why him? 
They say God puts his strongest soldiers through the toughest battles, so maybe there is a deeper meaning to it. I know he's strong mentally, and I know this won't be the end of him. And I know he won't let this get to the best of him. And I know he will come back. I still think he has something to prove. He's only 28 for crying out loud. He was having a pretty solid year, if you ask me, averaging 18 points, four assists, and four rebounds, shooting 48% from the field, and an 87% free throw percentage. Now, my only concern are other teams. Is the front office really willing to take a risk on a guy that many consider injury prone? Are you really willing to spend millions? Is he even worth it? My guess is just as good as yours, ladies and gentlemen, and that answer could be summed up into three words. I don't know. It's crazy that him and his agent were looking for a five-year, $150 million contract. Honestly, I'm a realist, so I just have to say I don't see that happening anymore. At most, I see a one- to two-year contract, and three if he's lucky, given his injury history, of course. He said that his focus was winning first, and we will see what the future holds for him. But you still have a guy who's very serviceable, a guy who is still explosive at getting to the paint, a mid-range maestro who now picks and chooses his spots on the floor. He can facilitate and draw a double team for his teammates to get open. Teams are in need of that still. And I still think that he has some gas left in that tank to make this his final chance. And if I'm a GM, I will still take that risk on him. High risk, high reward. But with that being said, our prayers go out to you, Derek Rose, and your family. And I hope you have a speedy recovery. Moving on, since we are on injuries, let's continue. Kyle Lowry. Remember that, guys, ladies and gentlemen? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I forgot about him, too. Well, in case you didn't know, right around All-Star break, Kyle Lowry broke his shooting wrist, his right wrist that was supposed to sideline him for the rest of the season. And it seemed like the Raptors were in shambles and looked like they were going to get bumped out of the first round. But good news, like I said, he did return. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Lowry returned on the 5th versus Detroit and played 42 minutes and had 27 points, shooting 56% from the field, following 10 assists, 5 rebounds, and only 2 turnovers. The guy basically missed 2 months and it seemed like he didn't even miss a stride. Great, 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 great news for Toronto. The playoffs just got a bit more exciting. And I'm so happy. I think we're going to see a bounce on the East and the West. And this may turn out to be the best playoffs we've seen in a few years. But what does this mean for the Raptors? Well, you know, they only have about four games left. You know, could they possibly creep up to the two seed? Are they going to stay in the three seed or are they going to slide to the fourth? This last week of basketball is going to be interesting. Honestly, I think it's going to be a coin flip for them keeping the three seed or sliding to the fourth. Either way, in the first round, they will have some home court advantage, which will work in their favor because Toronto's arena gets super loud. And you got your boy Drizzy on the sidelines being the biggest fanboy, so anything's possible. (laughs) Hopefully, these final games will get Laurie's win back and help him gain chemistry with not only the team, but more importantly, Serge Ibaka, the newly acquisition from Orlando at the trade deadline. 
Now, on paper, their starting five looks pretty damn good. I'm not going to lie. You got Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan, Serge Ibaka, Valachunas, and Damari Carroll. So, who knows? This could be the team that gets back to the Eastern Conference Finals. But only time will tell. And the only thing I'm worried about is will they click as a unit? And will DeMar DeRozan be able to sustain his high performance level? If so, like I said, the sky is the limit for these guys. Moving on. Ladies and gentlemen, Dwayne Wade also is returning this Saturday. And for those of you guys who aren't up to date, D. Wade suffered a fracture in his right elbow and was supposed to be out for the rest of the regular season. But the crazy thing is, earlier this week, news came out and said that we could possibly see a return for the third best shooting guard of all time. Great, great news for the Bulls, especially with their depleted team, the trades that happened, everything that's just been going on with them. You know, right now, the Bulls are standing at the seventh seed in the East and could possibly creep up to the fifth seed. Now, if I had to place a bet on their seeding, I would have them remaining in the seventh seed to play against the Boston. Now, we've seen what Wade has done in the playoffs in prior season, and let's not forget he took his team to the playoffs last year and managed to get them past the first round onto the second round to lose in the second round game seven of the playoffs against the Raptors with no Bosch and no Whiteside. All I'm saying is that with a superstar in Jimmy Butler who's been playing lights out since Wade's been gone and a star in D-Wade, they could, you know, take Boston to six, seven games or even catch them slipping and upset them. Anything is possible. Man, I cannot stress enough how excited I am for the playoffs. Like I said before, this has potential to be the best playoffs in a long time. But moving on. Remember last week how I was bashing the Cavs about their horrendous month of March? How they had all that talent and it wasn't being showcased? How I thought they could possibly skid to the number three spot in the East? Well, I think not only did someone on that team hear this podcast and is staying ghost, but the basketball gods have spoken. The Cavs are now on a four-game win streak and it seems like they have just turned on the playoff switch. In their four-game win streak, they have been averaging a whopping 123 points per game, led by LeBron James, who's averaging 32 points, 9 assists, and 11 rebounds in this win streak, shooting 58% from the field. I think the team got tired of what everyone was saying, and the fact that they're all healthy makes them look even more formidable in the East. I think everyone is starting to play great together, and I think that the Cavs will end up winning the number one seed in the East. Did you guys happen to catch their last game against the Celtics? It's crazy because when reporters asked LeBron if the Celtics game meant anything to him, he kind of brushed it aside and said that it's just a regular season game. And boy, oh boy, did he mess with the Celtics' heads, man. Like, the Cavs went on to beat the Celtics by 23 points and held them to 91 points, the fewest points they had since the beginning of this year's season. Now, everyone has been saying, you know, oh, look at the Celtics. You know, they're the team to be reckoned with with the emergence of Isaiah Thomas and such and such. But you see, the thing is, 
LeBron James is a bit passive aggressive just like me and you can tell by his body language and how the Cavs played that this was a statement game and that Boston you know just can't compete with them he abused them in any and every single way it was kind of sad you know it it just proved to me that Boston only has one all-star that they have to lean on and it and it proved to me that they still need that other star they still need a big they're they're, they're just lacking size you know and you know it, it's 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 just crazy he lebron james reminded us that he is and still is the best player and only a few are close to what he is keyword close so look for the Cavs to finish up with the number one seed, play sound, stellar defense, and make a push to the finals yet again for the third consecutive year. Because, ladies and gentlemen, LeBron is on a mission, and that mission is to get a ring, number four for his legacy. Moving on to our last topic of the day, race for MVP. Now, ladies and gentlemen, hear me out and bear with me, please. I know that I've been going back and forth with who should be winning this year's MVP, but I have to say I've been thinking about this this past week, and I finally came to a verdict, and my verdict is... Matter of fact, can I get a drum roll, please? Russell Westbrook. Why not? Sorry, Harden, I'm a huge fan of yours, and any other year I would give it to you, but this man, Russell Westbrook, proved to me that he deserves it. This man just made history and tied Oscar Robertson with the most triple-doubles in the history of NBA with 41. And this hasn't been done since the 1961-62 season, when the game was played at a much faster pace, you had more possessions and less talent. That's over 50 years, man. Give this man credit where it's due because I really thought I would never see someone average a triple-double for this season. I really think they try to water down the triple-double. Do you guys have any idea how hard it is? If it was so easy, why aren't more people averaging it? Why? This man, Russell Westbrook, has 209 more rebounds than Harden. That means that his team has 209 more possessions. You know, it puts his team in a better, you know, fighting chance to win. And what is most important thing about, you know, this sport itself, possession of the basketball. Bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, Westbrook is out playing him point blank. You know, they say James Harden is making his teammates better, but no knock on James. But he is playing under D'Antoni's system. And we know when you're under D'Antoni's system, you know, your stats are inflated and, you know, you have your stellar or career year, whatever, you know, you want to say. This man has to average a triple-double just for his team to win. And you know what his record is when he does have a triple-double? His team is 32-9. That's a 78% winning percentage. This man has been through so much this season. Was constantly criticized for his game and how he messed up OKC's chemistry with KD. You know, the blame for KD leaving, you know, to go to Golden State, a team, you know, they were up 3-1, you know, against in the playoffs. You know, a lot of people thought they would be struggling just to be in the playoff contention, man. And if he doesn't win this year, then this, ladies and gentlemen, will be the biggest 
robbery in NBA history. Thank you guys for listening to episode 8 of the Caesar Show. I just want you guys to follow me on all forms of social media at Sir Caesars. That's S-I-R-S-E-E-Z-U-S. I want you guys to continue to listen and get people hip about my show. I would really appreciate it. And just a reminder that I'm not only on SoundCloud, but my show is now available on iTunes. So make sure to subscribe to the Caesars show, rate a five star and leave a stellar comment. And I want to leave you guys with the quote of the day. And that is. Ideas pull the trigger, but instinct loads the gun. Remember that. Thank you, guys. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and tune in for episode nine next week.